Left. Right. This is a fun episode where we uh, discuss Brittany Griner, what's going on in Russia, and uh, we generally shoot the shit about uh, current topics, current trends in the news. So uh, listen on, let me know if you like this format, and uh, see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 This is Sip Talk, episode 190. Today, we are vastly shooting the shit, but uh, we've got some current, uh, current events we're going to talk about today. What's going on in the world? What's going on in Russia? Um, we're talking about the economy a little bit today. I think it's going to be a good one. My name is Justin DeGiulio at my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosnier Boswell philosopher, professional referee. I'm missing one. Bartender. And most exciting of all, accountant. James, how's it hanging down there in South Carolina? Doing all right. Let me ask you a question. What's the most amount of money you've lost in a single day? Um... Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. If I had to, if I had to think about that. I'm sure like, there's not a big number, like, but... I, I'm sure that like, if you were to say like, I've lost a lot of money over a period of time, but I'm talking one day. No, I mean, I've had some of big... money that's attributable to that one day. Now, do you mean like big, big deals that, that are just about going through and, and they, fe- they, they fallen apart. Cause I've had deals like the day before contract, uh, just, you know, completely fall apart um but lost money lost money i don't know about money i've lost but like i've just been hit with a bill you know i got hit with that that lawsuit that the guy wanted uh you know hundreds of thousands of dollars just like it was nothing that was fun for me um but you know and then we went to court and, and negotiated from there but um i'm curious where you're going with this i wasn't prepared for this question yeah i know that's why i asked it yeah, great. Um, no, just because, uh, yeah, my company managed to lose $43,000 today in, in, in a single day. That sounds like fun. It sounds like uh, sounds like, like a... And that's just one event, actually. Like, it might have been more if you count, like, the the sum entirety of our, our activities for the day. But so it was a bad like, day for one the decision, One decision we made cost us $43,000. Ooh. Uh, can you talk about that decision now, or should we should we get into this uh, in a little bit? No, I just wanted to like, I just wanted to get this started and maybe see like if anybody in the comments would say like, how what's the most amount of money that you've lost in well, a single is a, day? That or is a, a good question. Decision? If you're if you're watching us on uh, TikTok or Facebook or you're watching us on Instagram, that's a good question. What's the most amount of money you have lost in a single day? Now I got to let this marinate in my head. So I get a, uh, you know, try to figure out. I mean, I've had some big deals fall apart in terms of losing money. Um, I would be but, willing to count those as like this was a deal that was going to make you say ten thousand dollars, and it blew up at the last minute. Like, yeah, I mean, I'd be I've willing been, to count that as a as a loss. I mean, I've been hit with like lawsuits and and uh, just bills out of the blue. Like, hey, you owe us thirty grand. I'm like, what? What do you mean I owe you thirty grand? And they're like, oh, well, you did this, this, and that. Um, and, and this is ours and here's the tab for it. So, uh, uh, you know, stuff like that. But look, what do you, I got to ask you what you're drinking down there? Um, it's another Pepsi throwback. I'm in week three of the, the no boozing lifestyle. And I think that's going to continue until I can get my weight to where I want it to be. Oh, nice. How's your, uh, your mile time? My mile time is absolutely awful. No, now, I, thought, I, don't I, thought know on, I thought you were working on some running lately. I am. I've been doing a lot of cycling, too. And, like, what's weird is, now, I haven't gone out and, like, run, like, a test run to, like, benchmark where my mile times are against where I, I was before because I've just been doing training. And so I've been doing an experiment where my watch kicks out daily workout recommendations. So okay. I've just said, like, for a month straight, I'm just going to follow what the watch says. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to question whether it's a smart idea or whether it's what I want to do. I'm just going to do what the watch says. And I'm going to do that for a whole month. And I want to see what the results are. 
And so, right. like, the watch is kicking out recommendations that aren't going to, like, give me a good measure as to what my fitness is based on, because it's just, like, the workouts are different than the kinds that I was doing before. Um, mm-hmm. But I can well, feel nice. it, like, that's, when I'm on the bike. Cool, actually. When I'm on the bike, I feel like I'm making progress, and I can look. And it's easier for me to compare my numbers on the bike than it is to compare my numbers running. Well, for those for those who aren't aware of this, you're wearing what watch? It's a Garmin Fenix Six. And it measures your heart rate, right? Does it me- measure your blood oxygen level? Yep. All right. Uh, so that um, so that tells you where your body is at a certain point in a workout and, and you're going to know if your blood oxygen level, if your heart rate is higher or lower than where, where it usually is, whether or not you're in better shape. And I can tell that like, dude, my resting heart rate is in the low forties. Low. I'm, I'm, I'm usually about 50. Low forties is pretty good. Good for you. Like, I'd say it, it's between 42 and 46. Wow. That's not bad. But uh, my mile, like, for some reason, none of this translates to running, and I cannot understand it. Maybe it's those, maybe it's the, maybe it's the running muscles. So, look, Raj wants us to, to get into uh, the topic, announce, uh, announce our topic here. But I think, really, because we've been a it's bit sporadic, <laughs> we've been a bit sporadic over the summertime. We've been doing topic-centric episodes. We don't talk much about us. We don't talk about what's happening in the news i wanted to run through some news articles and some things that just kind of uh, bothered me a little bit you know or, or, or you know just some things i'm thinking about over the last couple of weeks that we haven't broached those subjects online and so you can't really do a full hour on each one of them but they're good for between like five and ten minutes each and i looked at the the list that you had and i like it so you want to just start with your first well <laughs> so I, I listen to a lot of NPR for anybody who isn't aware of that. And I've been hearing a lot about Brittany Griner and her being locked up in Russia, which sa- sounds fucking you want terrifying. To explain to people who don't know who she is. So she is a woman's NBA professional athlete. Uh, and, you know, most women's NBA stars, we all know who they are. You could you could probably name a couple dozen off the top of your head. So she's in the forefront of the media on a pretty regular basis. Uh Unfortunately for the uh, WNBA, uh, they're not as well known. But in that circle and at a professional athletic level, um, she is a professional athlete that travels around the world. So why is she locked up in Russia and why is that terrifying? Let's ask the question, why is she in Russia in the first place? Okay. So I actually, if you were to have asked me, like, name a woman's basketball player. Brittany Griner is who I would have named. And that's probably about the only, it, actually. I think, I think that, and that's kind of what I was alluding to, which is, you know, it's it's, it's sad. But, you know, it's definitely, it, to a degree, I, I would say it definitely warrants national news. But, all right, so anyways, she was a big star in college and went straight into playing the, in the WNBA and was in the WNBA for a couple years and ended up being arrested and, I believe, convicted of domestic abuse against her wife and so the wnba banned her from playing in the league because of her conviction um and so she got an offer to play in the russian women's basketball league which she accepted so that's how she ended up in russia in the first place how did she end up in jail well right around the same time that the war in Ukraine started. She was arrested. She's been in jail for roughly how long? It's not. It's not fresh news. Four or five months. Yeah, a while. A while. I just. Yeah. I And I'm still hearing about it pretty much daily, which is why I finally figured we'd bring it up. But go ahead. Well, so, so she's been in jail for four months so or so. She gets arrested in Russia, probably like in the first week or two after Russia invades Ukraine and the United States imposes all sorts of sanctions on Russia for their actions. She gets arrested for being in possession of some vape cartridges that contained cannabis oil. So it was, it which was is illegal synthetic, in Russia. Synthetic weed, or or just like can like or real weed, but just like in oil form. I'm not really okay. sure, but whatever the case is, it's an illegal drug in Russia, and she's arrested in, for being in possession of these. 
But now, and she's been in jail awaiting trial, and then she went to trial and pled guilty. And I don't remember what her sentence was. It might have been ten years or something, which seems wild for to have a sentence that long for that drug. But at the same time, it's Russia. Well, I read today that Russia's penalty for possession, minor possession of marijuana, is like ten days in jail. So maybe, maybe I misread that, or maybe, maybe that was incorrect, or no, maybe it was spot it on. Yeah, I, I think it's ten years. Like, she was looking at ten years in prison. Now, a little bit of background here. She's been in Russia for several years, so she's familiar with the laws and from what i read like that she was brought there by like a russian oligarch to help promote his basketball team so she's been buddy buddy with people in power in russia and she apparently has been traveling around the country you know to different basketball venues and been carrying these like cannabis pods with her and Russian security has known about it and just not done anything about it. Now, whether that's right or wrong, but, like, she knew that these were illegal and Russian security knew that she had them and they weren't doing anything because it wasn't worth their time or she was protected or whatever. And but, Russia Russia police and, and, and just Russia government officials in general are known for being pretty corrupt and right. very So, so none of this... So far, our timeline, nothing is really surprising. And it continues to not be surprising because as soon as the U.S. imposes these sanctions, Russia takes the opportunity to, rep to arrest one of the highest profile Americans it can think of, which is Brittany Griner. So is she a political victim in this? In a way, yeah, because she probably wouldn't have been arrested if Russia hadn't invaded Ukraine and we hadn't impose sanctions on them for the war the war um so does she get to complain about being a political victim yeah but at the same time she had a drug which was illegal in the country that she was in and she knew so she took risks that didn't pan out for her and that's that's I believe this is, it's, you know, it's going to run its due course. I think, you know, the U.S. should do their best to get her out of out of jail. I think this is a very low offense. I don't think she needs to be locked away for 10 years. I think that's absolutely insane. But at the end of the day, and it, this really depends on how you feel about drugs and how you feel about illegal drugs, she was doing something illegal. Um, and well, I, my personal view is that drugs should be largely legalized. But if I were to go to a country like Singapore that is even stricter on drugs than Russia is, I would make sure that I don't have any illegal drugs on me. I probably wouldn't fly into that country with any drugs, like even prescription drugs. I just wouldn't roll the dice I, like, because the penalties are so harsh there. And same thing with, like, in, in Singapore, like, you can get arrested for, like, spitting on the sidewalk like if you walk on like their streets there's no gum stuck to any of the sidewalks why because that's a crime and so if i'm in singapore i'm not going to be spitting on the streets why because i don't want to get arrested do i think that that's a good law probably not but if i'm there and i know what the law is i'm going to choose to like abide by it well, that's, because I mean, the that's consequences the thing about, suck. we have talked in the past about me saying that i'd love to visit china and russia actually and you said, no way I would go to China. You're, you're too terrified. You make one uh -huh. wrong move and you could be locked up indefinitely. And you are not a high profile person who's not going to be used as a political pawn. So, No, but just it, by the fact that I stick out as an American, like they're going to be watching what I do. Like, I'm it's not really, the important It's really person. terrifying. I but, mean, it's, it's... But who knows? Like, because... Like, China and Russia will arrest people for whatever they want. Sometimes it's politically motivated. Sometimes it's just because. And if you're an American that gets arrested in China, good luck. But also that they can stack prisoners and use them for political negotiating. So Well, and so that's actually what's happening with Russia right now is that the United States is trying to make a deal where we're going to give Russia 
like a convicted arms that's, dealer. That's that's where I'm going with this. There is the arms dealer known as uh, uh, what's his name, the, the God of War or something like that is his nickname. I, I wonder if this is a guy that the Lord of War movie was based on with Nicolas Cage. But mm, it might be great movie, by the way. I think I think it could be, but I think this is like one of the biggest arms dealers, and we have him locked here. And what people are thinking is that we're going to trade Brittany Griner, ex women's NBA player, for the 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 God of War. I don't think that's a fair deal. I don't don't think it's a fair deal either. But the thing is, like, there's a lot of people that think it is because they think it's so unjust that you know the unjustness of her being locked away for simple weed is is worth putting this big drug dealer kind of back into the hands of Russia. And, and I would say that their like their their well, own logic defeats itself, which and is that's, that is exactly where I'm I'm kind of taking this is that we have somebody who committed a crime in a different country who is is very headlineable and the way and, and we're treating it like uh, I mean, it's front page news, and we're talking about letting one of their biggest arms dealers out in exchange for her. It's a really, I would say, if really they arrested weird. one of our arms dealers in Russia, and we wanted to like do a prisoner swap where their arms dealer goes there and ours comes back here, that's a fair trade to me. Similar <laughs> crimes. Yeah. Like if we've but... got a Russian that's in 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 jail for like weed possession or weed dealing in the United States, let's offer him up. <laughs> I think that yeah, but unfortunately things are are really heightened. And I'm not like worried like if it's if the crimes are crimes are slightly out of proportion, but one of them is like multi-million dollar arms dealing, the other and, is having a couple vape cartridges. And that's the thing is like we would be overplaying that that card that we have, you know, we we'd be underplaying that card basically that we have uh in this instance, which is which is that is the situation that we're uh, and Rosh is saying it is the uh, inspiration for Lord of War. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole movie written about written about this guy and him dealing arms and and basically dealing death. And then you have this lady who is unjustly imprisoned, but the, just the two don't add up. And I don't I don't know how else we get her out. I definitely think we need to be trying to get her out. I think it's very unjust. But but trading a, a international arms dealer to me. I just have to think, dude, I have so little sympathy for her because, like, she chose to go to this authoritarian, autocratic country, and she made bed with the Russians and Russian money, and she rolled the dice in terms of the privileges that she expected to get because of her status. You're as as far from your baseline liberal self as as you've ever gone right now. But I I I think, But I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. She broke a law in another country, and end of story. And like, uh, it, I don't think it, it'd be one thing because like, there's times where countries will arrest people that like didn't actually do anything, like people that are on vacation in Iran get accused of being spies. That's different because you can like you have made up crimes. This is not a made up crime. She had the things, and she those things were it. illegal. Yeah. Um, all right, we gotta we gotta move on. But I think that's 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 why I'm sick about you know hearing this. I'm sick of hearing about this at seven o'clock in the morning because the the rhetoric around it just is, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just tired of hearing about that one. So uh, I, I recently heard that they're going to release, I think Apple's going to release 31 new emojis. They're going to come with the next update, which will probably come with the, with the debut of the following iPhone. However, many people are up in arms because they feel discriminated against. And this is, I mean, one, how many emojis can you have? Because I try to find the one I'm looking for. I can never fucking find it. I'm just scrolling and searching and scrolling and searching. I can never find it. I use like the same three, like the thumbs up, the clenched teeth face, and like the sunglasses dude. I, I don't think I've ever used one. Good for you. You like, send a lot. If, if I've used one, it's been like when like I entered characters and then like, it thought that I was trying to enter an emoji, and it made like made one by mistake. But like I've never clicked on the menu and be like, "Oh, this is a good time to send an emoji." Like, <laughs> I, I just don't understand them. But like this is old you... man yells at cloud. Yeah, well, that, that's probably an emoji, right? Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> However, it's discriminatory for the 
wheelchair using person. There's no wheelchair using person yelling at the cloud. And that's, oh. and that's, you know, now you got, now you got tennis player and you got golf player and you got baseball player, but you don't have a uh, wheelchair water polo, polo player, you know, and that's, you know, this makes me think of a point that I heard a long time ago on talk radio. Um, so, you know, college football, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know how it used to be that there was a, it was just two teams that got basically picked by a committee and there's like, all right, you two play for the national championship. And like, they based it on like records and stuff like that, but there was no like tournament or anything like that. It was just at the end of the season. Like, some people would get together in a room, and they would just say, uh, I think these two schools should play. Right? Okay. And a lot of people didn't like this system. It, and I, I, I can see why. It's because there were a couple times where, like, they'd pick two teams, and then the, there would be, like, a third or a fourth team that would argue, we're better than one of those two teams. Yeah. And so there were a lot of times that people were like, why are we just letting people pick who is playing. Okay, in, okay. In, so where, what happened? So what they ended up doing is probably about seven or eight years ago, maybe a little bit longer, um, but, but let's say eight years ago, they said, we're going to do a four-team playoff. So we're still going to pick the four teams, but okay. like now you've got four teams that are playing, and so you know it's just a semifinal. Like, two teams play, then it's one, and then it's the champion. So you at least have like teams playing each other for more than some, one some game. version of some championship. It's a yeah, it's a very yeah. small tournament, but now yeah. we've expanded it from two to four. Okay. And so what uh, the guy's name was Colin Cowherd, who was on ESPN Radio at the time, and he says, "Look, I'm not saying this is a bad idea. What I am going to say is that we're not stopping at four, because as soon as you expand from two to four, now." Now Team 5 and Team 6 and Team 7 and Team 8 are going to say, well, how come we didn't get selected? Yeah. And so then when you go from five, then you're going to go from 4 to 8, and then you're going to have Teams 9 through 16 that are going to complain that they should have been number 8 or number 7. And like he says, he, he talked about the NCAA tournament for basketball when they expanded to 64 teams, and that just made more teams pissed off because they weren't, because number 65 didn't get in. And then they expanded it to 68, so you got the four play-in games. And now number 69 com- gets in. And he basically says, no matter how much you give to people, there are still going to be people who complain. Well, and the, I thought that was the, a really good in, point. In the football case, the, the, the more you give, the more complain, actually, because you, you kind of have this exponentially uh, tail-ended problem. And, uh, right. I mean, um, to, up to a certain extent, but but – until you run out of uh, U.S. colleges. but uh... Yeah, but I, I thought that he made a really good point where, like, you're not solving the core problem. You're just, well, you're just shunting it to a different group that's going to complain. I, I mean, just some of these news articles, I just think, like... Yo, I, I have to wonder, like, if you're a journalist... Imagine you go to you go to college for four years and you major in journalism, and you learn about sources and finding stories and and journalistic integrity and research and writing standards and everything else, and then six months in you're a new journalist and your boss says I got an article for you to write and you get excited, and he says they just released thirty one new emojis I need you to cover this. Like, do you go to the bathroom at work and just kind of, like, wash your face and while the water is dripping off of it, look into the mirror and wonder what your life has become? I mean, or you could have the uh, opposite reaction. You go to the bathroom throwing up, shaking, saying this is such a big story. Where do, where do I start with this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just imagine going to dinner. And <laughs> if I was a friend of that person, I would just be so shitty about it. Be like, look, hey, Justin, hey, Justin's here. This is the guy that broke the emoji story. Like, you guys, should, like, you should be buying but, him drinks tonight. But that's and that's why we're kind of outlining uh, some of these stories, you know, because they're because they're not news. You know, I see a lot it's of the same news. thing for like when journalists write about what what Kim Kardashian ate for breakfast or some shit. Yeah, and then of course you got to tie it back to the real world about who was discriminated against or that the restaurant didn't source from uh, fair trade coffee beans or something. 
You got to yeah. have an, you know, and there's, and, and that's, you know, it's what happens when we have so many news organizations and media outlets uh, that a lot of, a lot of these outlets are literally just taking uh, like TikTok stories or TikTok posts that have more than a certain number of views and then just writing what was said in the TikTok post and then linking it to TikTok. Yeah. You know, makes me think of a question that sometimes you'll you'll be asked would you rather be rich or famous uh i think rich would be kind of the easy one on that some people choose famous and i don't understand it like i would i would want to be rich and i would want nobody to know who i am <laughs> like uh, um, th- like dolly parton everyone knows dolly parton do you know who her husband is i have no idea neither do i yeah. Because apparently, like she, rich. she like her husband's like, look, <laughs> I know that you're famous and I love you, but like I don't want that for myself. And so she's done a, a really good job of I mean, like keeping her husband out of the public light. And so nobody knows who her husband is. Like he might show up to an event or something and be like, yeah, this is my wife. Or but like nobody knows his name. He doesn't make any news because he just wants to live a private life. And he's married to someone who's really rich, but like. He doesn't have the fame that she does, and he doesn't want it. I like well, him. Well, it's worse if he does want it. Then he, then he could, then he could be really in trouble. Um, Raj has a comment. It's like Oprah. Her husband is just Oprah's husband. <laughs> Nothing else. What? I didn't know that Oprah was married. I thought she was with Gail. Who's Gail? Her friend. Oh, beats me. I don't know enough about Oprah. Um, can we? Can we? Uh... Can we talk about mortgages and then talk about uh, how we're not in a recession, according to Biden? So, you know, mortgage applications have hit the lowest since February of the year 2000. Yeah, so I'm aware. I work of, in that industry. Exactly. Lowest number of mortgages uh, in 22 years, over 22 years. Um, and then kind of the next. I can tell you why. Well, go ahead. So there's two things, really. One is rates have gone up faster in the last six months than they have in like 40 years. So, or maybe it's like 25 years, but like we're in the speed at which interest rates have gone up is basically something that some people haven't seen in their entire life or some people haven't seen since they were in like high school. So we're in historic levels of interest rate increases. And so you increase rates, less people are going to qualify for a mortgage. So that's one. That's definitely having a dampening effect on mortgage volume is like just rates are high. The other one is before this period, rates had been low and they had been low for a while. And so you can think about it like there's only so much demand for mortgages. But when the rates were super low, everybody who wanted a mortgage got one. And once you have a mortgage, you're not likely to, to like, get another one for a long time. Think about it like buying a bed. Like, how often do you buy a bed? Yeah, not, not very often. I think the average is about 10 years. So if you buy a bed, you're not buying another bed for 10 years. So imagine if one year all beds were 90% off. Would you buy a bed? Probably. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Right. And so if you have like for two or three years, beds are 90% off. Everybody who wants a bed is going to buy a bed. And then when beds go back to a regular price, then the people that are making beds would be like, why isn't anybody buying beds anymore? Two reasons. They're more expensive. And also everybody who needed one already got one. Same thing with mortgages. Everybody who wanted a mortgage would have gotten one in the last two or three years at a nice low rate. So now the only people that are getting mortgages are the people that are able to find a house to buy that like, so people entering the housing market for like the first time or people that are trying to like upgrade their house from one house to another, or people that are looking to take equity out of their house in the form of like a cash out mortgage. And there's just like, that's kind of a relatively steady supply. But again, that's one of those ones where like those people already bought their beds. So we're only getting like the people that are trying to do refi cash outs right now are really just like people that ran into some financial difficulty or have created financial difficulties for themselves. So what does that say about the economy overall? Because 
You had Biden that gave an announcement, I think it was uh, earlier today, about how the United States is not in a recession. He's not wrong, by the way. Which, um, which I agree. Actually, all the markers of recep- a recession, we haven't really hit. We don't have mass oh. unemployment. We, uh, we don't have... Uh, give me some other markers of recession. Well, I want to recognize Mike right now, just for... Thanks for the comments. Like, weigh in. Keep on weighing in with us. Um, but, so... Jerome Powell yesterday, after the Fed raised their rates by another 75 bips, um, like one of the questions he was asked, like he gives his like 10 or 15 minute speech about what he thinks about various things. And then he takes questions for like another 30 or 45 minutes. And one of the questions was, are we in a recession? And he says, no. And the main reason he gave was the labor market is still very strong unemployment is super low and and wages are relatively strong and so he says we still have these supply chain problems and we are seeing demand for a lot of core assets and business investment drop but in order for us to really call this a recession we need to see weakness in all sectors and we just aren't so some people would like to call it a recession. I think that calling like at, right now the debate about whether or not it's a recession is in two in two different arenas. The first arena is political, and depending on which way you lean politically, we either are or aren't in a recession. Dep- like whether you want to make Democrats look bad or good is going to have an impact as to whether you think we're in a recession. But I think most economists if you were to give them all the data would say things are getting weaker, but we're not in a recession yet. Well, here's my, my comment on that because uh, unemployment is low. Wages are high. My thinking is that by those markers, the traditional markers, you know, we're not really in a recession yet. However, I do think the ground that we exist on is moving. And that meaning housing costs are way, way up. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation is way, way up. Yep. Uh, fuel costs are way, way up. So people are making more money and they're more employed, but that's actually because they have to be because everything around them is sliding. So typically recession, people are losing jobs. They're losing their houses here right now. We still have them, but those things are sliding away from us in the sense that now, if you want to fill up your car, you might have a job and be making more wages, but it's costing you that that much more to do it and as we continue to slide we might be looking at the traditional but not be looking at some of the other ones that are having a real life impact that if it continues to happen we're going to wake up and very much be in a recession well i think maybe it was probably about two years ago that i started talking about the concept of a k-shaped recovery Mm -hmm. yep well that's that's and so i think what we're in right now is we're, we're still seeing that is like inflation it who is it hurting and who is it helping because like honestly for me inflation's not hurting me hardly at all because i i don't drive that much because i work from home and with inflation being high and my mortgage rate being low because i got it at the right time like inflation if anything helps me when it comes to my housing costs right yeah um and like but that's why most it's a, of the stuff that KJ, i buy Explain K-shaped recovery because you're you're putting that into perspective in oh, one okay. way, but you're not yet acknowledging the other way. But you have to. So explain if you think it like, because- so you've got the market and like you have an event and like you can think about like a V-shaped recovery. So like the market go. Uh, let me use this hand. The market goes down, and then the market comes back up. That's a V-shaped recovery, mm-hmm. where like it's just a sudden change, and that's. Like when you have an event like COVID, that's what you'll see is like the market will go down and then it'll come back up again. Um, a K-shaped recovery is the market goes up for some and keeps on going down for others. And I think that that's what like I predicted that two years ago. And I still believe that that's the case is some yeah, people so- have done well because of COVID and continue to do well. And then some people got wrecked by COVID and are continuing to get wrecked. And in general, I'd say the lower on the socioeconomic ladder you are, the harder it is for you to do well. 
Like the harder it yeah, is for you that, to get that's... out of there. So because for uh, me, I don't have to drive. I'm I'm privileged that I I like my commute is the six feet that it takes for me to roll out of bed to get to my computer. And <laughs> like so, gas prices going up doesn't bother me. Food prices, I go to the grocery store, I don't eat that much. So like food prices going up doesn't bother me that much. I don't have a family to feed. I barely feed myself. So, so like wh- wh- where is it hitting me? If I want to fly out to San Diego. Yeah, it sucks cuz it costs me an extra 200 bucks for a round trip. But that's a choice I'm making. Um let's let's see what what time holds for us. I I do think it's going to get really bad for a lot of people though. And and that's going to cost a lot of the middle class. You're just going to continue to wipe out that that middle class. Um, um, I want to I, I tease this as an idea. Like I don't want to get into a full discussion because this one for me is at least an hour long. But <laughs> the, the, the concept of I think a lot of people in this country feel that we are on an unsustainable path in a multiple in multiple areas housing costs being one of them for sure and mm-hmm. whenever you're on some on a path that's unsustainable at like at some point one of two things has to happen either something breaks and bad things happen or you change your approach to get off of something that's unsustainable and back onto something that's sustainable and uh, like healthcare Housing costs, housing, our, uh, our political system in general, in, in transportation. Places. So all of these things are, are an unsustainable path to varying degrees. Education. And education for sure, yeah. Um, and my, the, the thing that I always wonder about, and I have yet to get a good answer on this one, maybe because there isn't an answer, is what changes to get us onto something sustainable climate change is another or two what breaks and when that breaks who gets hurt and what are the fixes because when something breaks you have to fix it so i i don't know i would like to talk more about that but yeah i when it comes to this, like housing i think is probably the one of the biggest problems in this country in certain areas of this country water uh, water is a is another big one, yeah. Especially drinking water, and uh, I mean, like we could go on and on, but that's why I said like this is this is an hour long topic that I want to just tease out there for people. But yeah, when you were talking about that, I was just like I have to throw this out there because so I want to I want I want to talk about a bit of inequity. I don't want to talk about uh, voter laws, which uh, uh, you know we've talked about before. We had a big argument on laws uh like last summer uh i'll hit mike's comment here commercial real estate saturation retail mostly all the businesses raging uh raising wages uh but no they can't sustain it long term oh and then water <laughs> thanks mike uh well, so look yeah, I want so, to let me, like, let me wages just is this. another one because like i again we're gonna have to just make this again, a whole episode it's a, it's a different it's a different topic i don't want to go too yeah far down but, and, yeah like wages is another one so good example um so this is about uh voting laws so i'll just i'll just read you the three paragraphs from the npr article um that i heard i think it was sunday morning on the radio Uh, monica pool looked forward to voting in georgia's primary in may but after breaking her ankle she couldn't drive even navigating the stairs from her second floor atlanta apartment wasn't possible so waiting in line to vote wasn't an option Poole applied for a mail-in absentee ballot, like many Georgians have in recent years, and wanted to return it using a drop box. Okay. So at this point in the article, I'm thinking, unless the drop box is located on her second floor apartment, then she's got to leave she's got she's gotta gotta leave her house. Either way, next paragraph. But the nearest one in Fulton County was a 20-minute drive away, accessible only during limited hours and days unlike the 2020 when drop boxes were available across the county and accessible seven days a week around the clock until election day. The so new let me ask you a question real quick. Oh, let me interrupt let me you. The, no, 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 the new restriction made the drop boxes difficult for, uh, for use by pool who had limited mobility and a rigid work schedule. Go ahead. So 
I don't understand why you would make drop boxes accessible only during certain ports, parts of the day. Like, the whole idea of a drop box is that, like, it's only, like, to get to the contents, you're going to need a key. So it's not like anybody can just get into it any time. Or, like, well, well, well I, I mean, guess anybody so can, think... but, like, only people that have the key. So, like, having a drop box open 24 hours, like, who's that harming? Well, I, so why I why I, would I you, they're... like, shut the door to the drop box? Like, you but get the drop box like a putting... vestibule. They're probably putting a bit of a, a, a liberal spin on this. It's unlikely that any of those lockbox are, are, are lockbox boxes are locked out, but there's a chance that some of the drop boxes are located inside of businesses, and maybe those businesses. My guess is those businesses probably no. Could, a, a, you know, a drop box wouldn't the, be in like a private business. It would be in like a government building or something. But like, they had them open 24 hours a day. If they, if you just have it outside the door, or you put it inside the vestibule and you lock the door so that like you can't get to the vestibule at eleven o'clock at night. Like, well, here's I just the, don't here's understand why would like if you've got a Dropbox where people can just drop their ballots in, what's the point of restricting it to certain hours so, of the day? But, that just makes my no thinking, sense. So up and up and so, my thinking in this article is okay. So she's confined to her second floor apartment, and then it was even more difficult. 20 minutes away from a Dropbox. But then and I was thinking, like, the nearest Dropbox, you know, what was it, like, pr prior to then, maybe a couple miles away, so it wasn't minutes, it was closer, but she still had to leave. And then the next line in the was, so she was forced to mail in her ballot, which I then thought, why, why didn't she, she just mail it in, in the first place? place? Yeah, like this is this, this is an article that's pointing out some some valid arguments, but at the same time they're using a pretty poor example. This is just, I mean, it was just the dumbest. Thing and, 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 at the end of the article, they talk about how her ballot was rejected because she mailed it in too late. But and I mean, she could have just mailed it to begin with. Right. Like, I guess she would have had to buy a stamp, but. But I'll bet you there's a good chance that it's prepaid postage, anyways. Uh, I don't know, but like, if you can't know, find fifty-seven cents or whatever stamp cost now, like, I, I really don't know what to say to you. I just didn't see this, and then and uh, the, the article continues to go on to say uh, to find out it, it didn't. She still didn't get her vote, and she felt discouraged because she was. And this is what I, this is what bothers me because she was an African American female. This is why she felt discouraged for many years. She felt like it was her duty. But I don't necessarily, and I think the direction a lot of people took this was because she was an African American female, her vote was suppressed more than others. And and that's well, not what I got gets, out of this article. That's where you can look at disparate treatment versus disparate impact. And this article does a poor job on both fronts because. You can look at certain voting laws and say it's not disparate treatment, but it is disparate impact. Where let's say you've got two counties right next to each other. One county is pretty rural and has a population of 30,000 that's located primarily in just like that one town in the middle of the county, right? And then the next county over is more urban and it's got a population of. 200,000 and it's mostly and like most of that county is a city so like geographically it's smaller but the population is kind of evenly spread throughout that entire okay. county and so if you pass a law that says each county can only have one polling place so that's not one disparate treatment or one drop box or one polling place. Like let's just say well, the polling one, place uh, the polling place I could imagine might get a little more congested. You might have to stand in line. The drop box, like I, I don't think so much. Yeah, but like if you were to say but in either case, like the the two counties are fundamentally different. So even though you're making a law that treats the two counties equally, because of the differences in those counties, it has a different impact on one county versus the other. And so if your goal is to suppress vote of certain people, then you can come up with policies that are neutral on their face, but still have the effect of 
limiting vote of a certain people of certain people fine and, and very well articulated but not done in this article so no no this like, <laughs> that's the, I, I don't think that that article does any service to the cause of explaining why voter voter access and voter protection laws are important but that's and that's why it just it bothered me now you and i obviously obviously can have that conversation and we can we can agree on something and maybe we could even start to discuss some things that could be done you know to 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 not have the uh disparity there but but that's well, not this article just uses a bad example because at the end of the article you say okay you had all these factors against you but you were still able to mail in your ballot and it was rejected because you mailed it in too late so the real issue is you mailed your ba ballot in too late not any of these other things yeah <laughs> and so you're just like okay this is not a good example yeah but i mean yeah, the fact that they brought up her broken ankle, her ethnicity, uh, the uh, the floor that her well, apartment was on, it just—I actually think that those would all be relevant in in a different discussion. But when you can mail yeah, in your ballot is, and you just yeah, didn't exactly. do it. Um, all right, let's move on to this next one. What are your thoughts on monkeypox? Uh, I have none. I don't know anything about it besides that I don't want it. But I also am aware that like. In order for it to spread, it requires, and I might be getting the science a little wrong here, but like it requires generally pretty intimate contact between people. Very, very close contact. They're saying it may be an STD. I, I wouldn't go quite that far because I, I'm pretty sure that you can contract it without actually having to have sex with somebody, but you still have to get like pretty close to somebody and like, like probably borderline close enough that like, well, sex could happen here. <laughs> yeah, um, a, it sounds like the majority of the transmission is is via sex, or other intimate activities. Like, I, I would think that, like, let's say you're at a dance club and you're dancing close on somebody. That might happen. I don't know. Like, I, but it's one of those ones where I look at it and I say, COVID spread really easily because somebody could be coughing or sneezing and you breathe in the air. Now you've got COVID. Like. Well, like well, so look, bumping so Sam, and grinding on somebody is a little bit harder like to say like yeah everyone's doing that like everyone's going to get it eventually so so but two things one san francisco has a uh i think i think if they have not already as of today they're like shutting back down like they were during coronavirus that's one but 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 really the second and more important question i had uh when was the last time james you went to a dance club oh boy <laughs> Just because you're uh, used to the language dance club. <laughs> to me, just sounds, sounds really funny. Um, yeah, 2011 sounds about right. Uh, so you just went to like a club. <laughs> this was in Barcelona, and I had been drinking for like five hours. And I, I was also on a mission. Um, uh, was the mission to uh, the center of the ocean? No, actually, the mission was to leave the dance club. <laughs> no shit. Um, I just don't think we call them dance clubs unless it would be like for like a 12 year old. So like joining the club for dance. <laughs> well, remember how I started off this episode saying it's old man yells at cloud. Like now this is just old man. Like you kids in your dance clubs. Um, so look, so this uh, have you have you watched Voyage to the Ridge 2022? I don't even know what this is. So apparently, and I, I just saw this on, on TikTok the other day, uh, I opened it and there was an underwater uh, vessel that had just touched ground. And I ended up watching, I don't spend that much time on TikTok, but I ended up watching Wait, like what 10 is minutes. Voyage to the Ridge? Like I ended up watching 10 minutes of this, uh, uh, this I think it's, it's through NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. I think they commissioned this team to voyage to the center of the ridge, uh, the, uh, the mid Atlantic Ridge. Yeah. And it's really cool. Cause they are super deep. I couldn't tell if it was a manned vessel or not, but it actually looked like it was. And it was this pressurized weird. <laughs> Mike <looking> Dowd's comment. <laughs> two, 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 two water cannons. <laughs> I think, 
team might be a little behind in the. Yeah, but I that's... think the might be like forty <laughs> seconds behind there. Oh, no, but it's <laughs> yeah, yeah about your the dance, dance club. But yeah, yeah, your your, your under twenty one dance club. <laughs> oh, it's secrets. <laughs> um. Oh so, man, that brings so, me back. Um. So look, there's no dance club music on uh, on Fly ninety two <laughs> happening on. Uh, uh, but this is really cool because they're seeing these animals that they, they've never seen before. They're seeing some geography of the ocean they, they've never seen before. And I wanted to mention, you know, while we got a, a 10 minutes or so left in, in the cast here, is a, how exciting it really is that we're on the bottom of the ocean. And what people don't understand is how very little we know about the ocean floors. I just learned today that the current map that we have of the ocean, do you know what the resolution is? Uh, like maybe one kilometer or worse? Five kilometers, so about three miles. So our resolution is like literally three miles. Yeah, whereas like our maps of land are accurate to like within like maybe a meter. Uh, well, our map to land, yes. But our map of the surfaces of... Mars, Venus, and the Moon are Probably less better. than a hundred meters. They're right, way yeah, better than the ocean floor. We know the surface of Mars better than we know the surface of our own oceans. Exactly, exactly true. So there's seventy percent of the planet, and the vast majority of it we are completely unfamiliar with, which, which is a great deal of terrain. It means a huge amount of animals and sea life that we just we're discovering new uh, sea animals every year. Well, you know they month. say there's only about a hundred species left undiscovered. Uh, then I don't think they're looking in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, no. Like you look at the list of all the species and you see that there's a hundred missing. You're gonna have to gonna have to give me uh, where you where you're getting this from. <laughs> I don't know how that would work. I'm gonna let you think that one through. <laughs> well, I'm just. I'm, it sounds like a bogus uh, a bogus fact to me. So. Throw um, that out at your next party. I'm See how many curious. people get it. No one will get it. Everybody will say, oh, interesting. <laughs> to me, that's a non-fact. <laughs> we it, talked about scientific thinking the other day. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's not filling the blanks. Um, uh, but you, gotta, you, you need some delivery on that one, James, because <laughs> other people are going to think, oh, okay, interesting. It's not about delivery. It's trying to like see if people think it through and be like, wait a second, that, that, that makes. We no just sense. did an episode on how to think like a scientist. <laughs> right, and now I'm 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 <laughs> I'm pirating that topic. Instantly, you said I'm corrupting. I, thought, I mean, it. I have to watch the re I have to watch the replay of this. But instantly, you said that I'm like, oh, interesting. Where what is this list again? <laughs> you're like, oh, well, you're looking at the list. It's missing. <laughs> right. Um. But look, so. Um, there's just weird shit going on in the in the ocean. You know that we we for the most part we don't know what's under the ocean floor. Well, rock, rock, but they're also finding microbes that don't exist anywhere uh, that are tied to like our ancient ancient evolution. Um, yeah, they find this actually when they do like diamond mines and stuff like that, because they'll get like two or three miles underground, and they'll like go into the soil and they'd be like bacteria here what the hell are bacteria doing three miles underground yeah, under pressure and where there's like very little for them to consume right if, if you're mining for diamond we're talking insane amount of pressure well i mean it's, you're not like the, the pressure the diamonds weren't created three miles underground they were created like eight thousand miles underground they just took a while to get up there <laughs> um, but even like three miles underground like the temperature is like 120 or 130 and like it's not a great environment to be. What are your What are your thoughts on the Bermuda Triangle? Um, it's certainly a triangle. It is. Yeah. What do you think is happening over there? Um, weather patterns. Um, hundred and eighty degree angles. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, like, I, I, I don't buy no. into that there's something special about some geographic region where strange things happen. I think that it, if you look at it in terms of just the land or water mass or just area, it's a very large area 
that also happened to contain a lot of shipping traffic because of just like the way that people would sail from one place to another a lot of times it would happen to cross through the Bermuda Triangle and so when you have a large area with a large number of things happening in it then accidents are going to happen it, it's just a function of probability it, it yeah I, I agree with you I don't think there's anything super mysterious going on it is interesting the coincidental number of uh, ship sinking and, and things going missing there. But you would have to look at incidence rates per like per square mile and say of like, the rest of the ocean to compare right. it to. And yeah. say, are things sinking more here than other places in the ocean? And again, like because there's other areas in the in like in the ocean, so. Off the uh, Cape of South Africa, the way that ocean currents interact and the fact that the Southern Ocean has storms that kind of just like circle around and just make really big waves, there's a whole crapload of shipwrecks off the coast of South Africa. Why? Because the weather conditions down there are super dangerous. Is there something special about it? Well, beyond the fact that you've got ocean currents and big waves, no, there's nothing supernatural. It's just a shitty area to take a ship to. We'll say adios to my dad. He's he's checking out. Um, and so I look at like the Bermuda Triangle. If you look at if you just look at that on a globe, it's a huge area. So I, I want to give you two sounds. I'm going to play play them for you uh, that that they've heard underground uh, since 1991. One is called the bloop. The other is called the upsweep sound. Uh, and they it took them decades to figure out what this sound was i'm gonna i'm gonna start with the bloop and uh and tell me if you can you can guess where this underwater sound that was recorded using hydrophones from noaa uh the national oceanic and yep, atmospheric administration all right here it goes Do you catch it? No, but I, I think I know the origin of one of these. Just I think one of them was traced to like a large gr glacier fracturing. Oh, that, that is it. Let me play just one more time. One more time because I just re-angled the microphone here. Yeah, I heard it much better that time. I think I've actually heard that before. And I think that's the one that was like a big glacier, like cracking. That's exactly what it was. Big piece of ice falling in the water. And it sounds like, bloop. that's yeah, that's 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 spot on. Um, I'm going to give you the other one called the upsweep. And this one to me, there's a few others I found that, that trace back to like whale sounds. This upsweep sound to me... Um, it just sounded fucking creepy. So I'm going to play this one for you. Um, they, they still don't know what this is. The, they, there was another one, like I said, they found out it was a whale. But let me, let me give you this. I didn't hear anything. Actually, I still don't hear anything. <laughs> I muted. I muted the microphone. Well, that explains uh, it. No, this one is you couldn't hear. It. Oh my god, it's uh, it's seriously creepy. Hey, my bet I... would like. Just from your description of it, would be probably like an underwater seismic event. I think I'm going to get a uh, the computer's moving really slow. Um, yeah, you need to get yourself a proper desktop. I really do. I really do. It's uh, that's another one we'll have to talk about. But um, yeah, man, this computer, I am not happy with it. 
Uh, All right. Well, we got 45 seconds. How do you want to wrap? I'm out. I got I got nothing. We're out of time, and uh, well, we ran out of the bloop here. So, uh, on that note, uh, sounds like we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, that's a sip talk blooper reel. <laughs> All right, I will talk to you. Adios. This is the other end of sip talk. I want to thank you for joining us. If there's somebody you want to hear about, let us know. See you next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.